We started out the Lenten season uh, talking about the Oswald Chambers quote, where he writes and he says, identification with the death of Jesus Christ means identification with him to the death of everything that never was in him. Now, there's a lot of meat in that. It takes some processing and some thinking through uh, about that. But it basically means that you and I need to work, especially through the Lenten season, uh, of thinking about putting to death all the things that are in us that you would never, ever find in Jesus. And that should be one of our goals throughout our whole lives, is putting to death the things that are in us that you just couldn't find in Jesus. It would not be there. We want to live there. That's the way we want to live. That's, but that is the negative. That's the kind of the hard side of the gospel that where you and I face our own sin and, and the things that are in us that just shouldn't be there. And that is the whole reason, of course, for Good Friday. All those things that are naturally ingrained in us, those are the things that put Jesus on the cross. Those are the things that Jesus died on a cross to save us from and to forgive us for. That's the reason Jesus suffered and he died on the cross. There is also, though, a very positive side of the gospel. A wonderful side of the gospel, and that is what we focus on today, the very best news in all of the scripture, the most positive thing that you will find anywhere in all of the Bible, the resurrection. And so I want to take that quote from Oswald Chambers. I don't have his permission because he's long gone. But I want to change it. And I want to word it like this. Identification with the resurrection of Jesus Christ means identification with him to the life of everything that is in him. God desires for you and I not only to put to death the things that are in us that you'd never find in Jesus, but he wants us to make this positive effort of finding all the things that are in Jesus and uploading them into our lives. What is it in the resurrection? What is there in Jesus that you and I can find and put in and put on and clothe ourselves with so that you and I become more and more like Jesus? What does it mean to identify ourselves with the life that is in Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, it does mean salvation. It means a relationship with God the Father. You remember Jesus in particular, if there was anything else that could be said with him, it was that he was always in step with God the Father. There was no distance between them. All of us have our relationships. 
Um, and I have a wonderful relationship with my wife. And I think she has one with me. But there are moments. There are moments when there's a little greater distance than there was the day before. And then we bring it back together. But there was never any distance between Jesus and God the Father. None of that between them. In fact, so much so that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and all of a sudden he, for the first time in his earthly life, first time ever for that matter, Jesus felt distance between him and the Father because of your sin and my sin. He said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was so close to the Father that he never... That was the hardest part of dying on the cross was feeling separated from God the Father. I think in essence, that is really what salvation is all about. It's you and I getting to the place in our lives where there isn't distance between God and us. Now, kind of like my wife and I, there's, there's times <laughs> where we get a little distance and we have to bring ourselves back in line. But you know what God wants is for you and God the Father to be one. That's what Jesus prayed. I'm way off my sermon notes already. <laughs> That's what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. That you and the Father would be one. You remember when Jesus was baptized? A voice from heaven came and echoed, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Because of the resurrection... You and I can have that clear conscience toward God so that we can freely approach God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you, how? By the resurrection of the of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. You and I are saved by the resurrection. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, in that wonderful introduction, Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now I want you to just stop and think about who wrote those. Peter. Peter was that disciple who made lots of errors in judgment over the course of following Jesus. But the whopper of them all was when he denied knowing Christ three different times as Jesus was being... um, as Jesus was suffering and being led to the cross. And then the rooster crows three times. 
And Jesus dies. And Peter, all he knows is that he's denied knowing him. (laughs) The resurrection changed everything for Peter. Not because Peter thought it had changed, but because Jesus knew it had changed. (laughs) Peter thought he was blacklisted. Peter thought he might as well go back to fishing his former life because he thought it was all over. Jesus could be resurrected, but what would Jesus have to do with him? But Peter, instead, Jesus gave him a job. And Jesus invited him to prove his love through obedience to Jesus in feeding his sheep and feeding his lambs. And this is a living hope for Peter, the resurrection. Peter wasn't just hoping, grasping at straws that somehow there might be a place for him with Jesus after the resurrection. No, there was a new birth through a living hope that was guaranteed in Jesus. You don't find Peter ever uncertain or unclear ever again about where he stood with the Lord. You remember, of course, the stories of church tradition of how Peter ended his life. And when it came time for them to martyr him, take his life, he said, I'm unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus died. You will crucify me upside down. And sure enough, that is what they did. They crucified Peter upside down because he didn't want to die the same way his Savior had died. Hmm. The resurrection is the foundation, is the assurance for our salvation that you and I have a relationship with God where you and I can have a clear conscience, where we can, we can be in a, a relationship with God and we don't have to feel guilty and we don't have to feel shame and remorse and all of that. But we can have a relationship with God where God says to us, This is my son. This is my daughter. And with her, with him, I am well pleased. The greatest news of the resurrection is that a God who is perfectly holy, so holy that none of us can even imagine it, can look at Adrian Timmons and say, with him, I am well pleased. And can look at you. With you, I am well pleased. A holy God wants to be able to say that to you. And the only reason he can do that is not because of anything we've ever done but because of the resurrection. You and I, as believers in Christ, need to stake a claim in the resurrection in regard to salvation. There is a second thing that the resurrection also provides for us that we need to stake a claim in. And that is in spiritual power. There is a power for life change and and life transformation um, that God has for each one of us. 
And I am convinced that I have accessed about 2% of it. (laughs) And I've got the rest of my life to access the other 98% of it. I don't want to stop. With a spiritual power that is there for you and for me as a result of the resurrection, um, the same power the scriptures talk that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me and in you. Now that's the word of God. And some of you are looking at me like, (laughs) okay, so what do we do with that? That's a good question. What do we do with that? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and in me. And the question is, will we access it? Will we plead with God to use that power in us? Will we cooperate with God in using that power? Listen to the prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Paul prays that you and I would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within us. The power that ascended Jesus into heaven is at work in you and I. And friends, you and I can wrestle with getting rid of the things that we talked about with Oswald Chambers, the things in us that were never a part of Jesus. But the fact is, you and I need more power than you and I have. (laughs) I need a lot more power than I have to beat some of those demons that were never in Jesus. And the gospel says that because of the resurrection, there is power available to you and to me to conquer spiritual battles in our lives. Now, some of you may be at a place in your life where you are so weary of a certain spiritual battle in your life that you've kind of given up on it. I want to stand before you today and I want to stand before you on Easter Sunday and tell you that there is power left over for you. God still has power left over for you. His grace is sufficient and He will and still can do incredible things in your life. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you. Ask for it. Work with it. Pray. 
that God's power will be unleashed in your life. And the things that you struggle with, don't try to do them in your own strength. God never intended you to live life that way. Look at these other, <laughs> these other verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Friends, there are a lot of Christians out there who have a lot of talking. <laughs> the big thing is, is their power. The resurrection is there for us. It's a matter of power, spiritual power. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, as long as we're trying to do so many things in our own strength, God never gets to display <laughs> that the power is not from us, but it's from Him. We really are jars of clay. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in the sufferings. We were pretty happy until he said that. <laughs> but Paul believed in the power of his resurrection to the extent that it could help him participate in his sufferings. And sometimes we as Christians worry about what is coming down the road. We worry and think about the Christians who will be martyred today for their faith around the world. In the tens of thousands, Christians who will lose their lives today because of Jesus. We worry about that kind of thing, but Paul says this, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. And when that day comes, if it does come for us, the same power that was with Christ in the resurrection will be with us in suffering. And you and I need to let go of our fear and live our life boldly for Christ. And then Paul says, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So because of the resurrection, you and I can stake a claim. We can say, yes, I am saved. I want that relationship where there's no space between God and me. And yes, I want to claim, I want to stake a claim in the spiritual power of the resurrection that can transform my life. Thirdly, the resurrection is something that you and I can stake a claim in in regard to immortality. Even though we die, if we know Christ as our Savior, we live. And we will live. Just as, as Christ has been raised, Paul says, we will be 
raised. Jesus said to Mary and Martha, um, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 says, By his power God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. The life, this life, gets shorter the longer I live. <laughs> um, I'm amazed that 53 years has gone by. <laughs> That's shocking to me. And I am really glad the older I get that this life is not all there is to live. Because my life can be snuffed out tomorrow. It can be. And it won't matter all that much in the scheme of things. Because I'm going to continue living. And I have that guarantee. And I'm glad this life is not all there is. I'm glad this life is simply the porch to a great mansion that God has prepared for me. We all have loved ones who have gone on who have passed on. Easter Sunday is a day to celebrate those who knew Jesus and, they, and that they have gone on to be with the Lord and they are living today. If we know Christ, the power of his resurrection will resurrect us also to eternal life in Christ Jesus. So because of the resurrection, you and I can stake a claim in our salvation we can stake a claim in spiritual power for transformation. And you and I can stake a claim in immortality. But the last thing that I want to share with you today, that as, as I began praying about Easter Sunday, and, and uh, due to a number of things, Easter Sunday is always the, the one side. I don't, I don't get nervous much about preaching ever. Anymore, I probably should get more nervous about it. But Easter Sunday is one of those Sundays that I do get nervous about, and I have a hard time uh, preparing and pulling my thoughts together. And so I really began thinking about Easter a couple weeks ago and um, praying about it. And, Lord, what do you want me to share? And the one thing that I kept hearing was not something that I had necessarily connected with Easter. But it's really obvious. <laughs> it's something I should have connected. And God, God said, this is what I want them to connect with Easter. And that is that the whole reason for Easter is because God deeply loves every single one of you. There isn't anyone here that God doesn't love. And if, if he didn't love you, he, Easter wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Good Friday wouldn't have happened either. Christmas wouldn't have happened either. But if God didn't love you, 
Easter would have never happened. And we might as well not be Christians because Paul says, what's the sense of worshiping somebody in a tomb? (laughs) He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to earth knowing that he would suffer for our sins. It's one thing for you to send someone to do that. It's quite another thing to send your own son to lay down their lives for people who are your enemies. And that's what Paul says we were. We were enemies of God. When God so loved us that he sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. And then after Jesus was sentenced, not only to death, but the Apostles' Creed said he descended into hell for three days. Where you and I belong when we die. There hasn't ever been a person that's ever been born who didn't deserve hell. Our world would like to think that hell doesn't exist and a loving God would never send anyone there. But the fact is the scriptures claim that every single person that has ever been born deserves hell because we've missed the mark and we have sinned against a holy God. And every one of us, regardless of all the good things we have done, <laughs> that's what we deserve. We deserve How? The wages of sin is death. And so it's really amazing to me that God so loved me and he so loved you that he put that on his son. That was some new thinking this week for me. A God who people say is too loving to send us to hell sent his own son there because of my sin. Wow. And that's because God loves me. And that's because God loves you. And I I quite frankly don't understand that. I can preach it, but I don't understand it. God loves you so much that he sent his own son where you and I deserve to end up. But that's not the end of the story. Because we're at Easter. And on Easter Sunday, God raised Jesus from the dead to new life.
And that tells us, Scripture tells us, that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us from the dead. And if we believe in Jesus, you and I, when we die, we have nothing to worry about because Jesus has prepared a place for us. And this life is just the porch to get into the mansion that God has prepared for us in heaven. Listen to these verses. They remind us again that the whole reason for Easter is God's love. This one, of course, you know, you can quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 15, 13. Now, just, I I want to remind you that it's not only God the Father that loves you this much, but it's Jesus. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus chose the cross for you and for me. And in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> so there is a God who is deeply in love with you. And he's willing to lay down his life, the life of his son, for, to have a relationship with you. He doesn't love us just to keep us from going to hell. He loves us to give us eternal life, to give us salvation, to give us power, to give us immortality. But you have to stake a claim. McKinsey County um, was established March 8th, 1883. And that same year, the first log cabin was built. It was a hunting cabin down at the mouth of the Cherry Creek. Then under the Homestead Act, the pioneers, mostly Norwegians, in fact, North Dakota has more Norwegians than any other state in the Union. Um, Mostly Norwegians came and they staked their claims on 160 acres of soil. But just because they staked the claim, that didn't mean that the land was theirs yet. To get the title for that land, they had to live there for at least six months each year for up to five years five consecutive years, and they had to break sod and at least farm five acres of that 160 acres of land. And then they got the title to the land that was theirs. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about staking a claim in the resurrection of Jesus for your salvation, for your spiritual power, for your immortality, and for your Conviction that God deeply loves you. Don't ever forget. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. You need to know how deeply God loves you and the extent to which he will go to help you in that struggle. But to get the spiritual title, 
That's going to take some tenacity, some stick to some working of the soil, and all of that. But you don't want to be like a few of the pioneers who came out and missed out because they never put their stake in the ground. 